All right, guys, big first episode. I guess I don't know if we can call it a, a, a first episode. I'm Bruce Levine here with Brian Rob, Mike Pina, formerly known as the Big Three Podcast. But uh, big changes, guys. Uh, we teamed up with CLNS. They're going to be hosting the podcast from now on. We have a name change. We're now called the Winning Plays Podcast, which I think is a tribute, not specifically to Marcus Smart, but just to some of what he embodies. So I think it's perfect that on this first episode of the new podcast the night before marcus mart made a losing play by pushing joel Embiid, getting thrown out of the game and brian robb a resident celtics beat writer what's the thought after uh, i mean it's a crazy game right but that play in particular i mean it's, it's just too perfect rich it was a it's a perfect way to start the winning plays era um because we can only go up from here is what i really think um as someone i don't know mike i mean both you guys i've it's taken me a while to come around on Marcus Smart uh, from just a, a complete package of a player standpoint. I'm there this year. He's been terrific all year long on both ends of the floor, uh, more nights than not. But this uh, this worried me a little bit, Mike, because this was a this is a big game. Uh, Aaron Baines is already out, and you just can't do this. You can't do this when um, he's already done it a couple of times this year. It was strange to see him snap that way. Uh, and, you know, I saw on Twitter some people were saying that it was a flop uh, right before he snapped and, and shoved Joel Embiid to the ground. Um, I thought it was. was it what, little, the, the elbow was a flop, little, they said? A little bit of a chicken wing by Embiid that's kind of undeniable. Um, For sure. Yeah. yeah so. Uh, but yeah, you can't lose your cool in that situation. You don't see someone shove someone from behind in the NBA every night for a reason. It's kind of ridiculous. You'll get ejected. You'll cost your team big. Um, you know, we have a big conversation coming up later about who the, who the best or the third best Celtics player is. And I, I think maybe Mar- has been this season. And I think maybe Marcus will factor into that. So don't want to go too deep into the Marcus conversation right now, but you know, generally, like, what were your guys' takeaways from last night's loss? Was oh, it a r- big real quick, deal? Okay. I, I don't, I don't hate the Marcus's move. By the way, I think he's sending okay. a message. I, I think I, he's sending a message. I, I don't think Embiid is ready mentally quite yet for the playoffs. And if the if the Celtics and Sixers meet eventually, which seems like they somehow are going to, that is going to be in the back of Embiid's head, and it's going to be a factor. See, I don't like. First of all, I'm worried that they're not going to see each other. I agree. <laughs> because, I mean, you hope they see each other because that means it's probably going to be the Eastern Conference Finals. But I'm I'm all for I like the, you know, the smart toughness part. Obviously, it's part of the package of smart. Here's my thing. Just get him on the other end of the floor. Like, set a mean pick on him. Like, railroad him. Do something, you know, borderline dirty to him if he did that to you. Like, just don't make it so blatant. Like, that's, it's clearly like. I like he, that it wasn't hiding. Don't even, don't even mess around. No <laughs> it pissed me off. Did you guys see the the ESPN hi, hi, uh, headline? No, no. Was it? just something like smart ejected after cheap shot, and they put the cheap shot like in the quick quotes. So I don't have to be responsible for it. Cheap shot, shove on Embiid. The real cheap shot was the chicken wing. I mean, yeah. they both were cheap shots, but it's just yeah. like it's not like it was completely unwarranted. Yeah. Right. Okay. Can we talk? Can we quickly transition <laughs> to the game? Because <laughs> it was a great upset. game. It was a this great game. This is what people want to hear. They want to hear about the fight. They don't. They, but fine. I, I, Let's talk I about know. the game. Okay, so I, I thought I watched it on a flight down to Florida where I am right now on a little mini vacation, and I was kind of going berserk in my seat just watching Al Horford dominate again. I mean, it, it's it, they still have no answer for Al Horford, and the you know the game was in Philadelphia. 
Kyrie Irving made two quick threes and then shot one for 11 for the rest of the game from behind the three-point line, which I think is a very key statistic. Jalen Brown, Brown battled foul trouble early on, which was huge. Um, Gordon Hayward didn't even play. And that was the third most minutes that Joel Embiid has played in his entire career last night. So, wow, you know, Rip. I think that it was like an all-in game for the Sixers, and they won, but barely <laughs> so. did you did you guys see the the matchup numbers when horford was on Embiid? did you no, get and I, I know they were very, i mean i feel yeah, like Embiid. which I, yeah I, I feel like Embiid just got to the foul line every no matter what was happening oh by the way we should say as part of mike as, as part of mike being in florida he's in a hotel with shitty uh, wi-fi so if it goes out at all it's, it's, it's not a it's not going to be a consistent thing of the new podcast we should just be yeah. honest about it, right? Because you just yeah. went out for a second. But no, so the numbers I saw, I saw this on Reddit. Um, this could be another weekly thing we do is uh, like the, the Reddit post of the week. I spent a lot of time on the Celtics subreddit. But this guy, uh, Air Mag Swag, this is what he posted. Al Horford matched up against Embiid on 42 possessions last night. Gave up five points on one of five shooting and just three free throws. Hmm. Pretty, pretty important. And so, I mean, that's... That's again. This is the only matchup in the East that Celtics fans have felt great about for a while and should continue to feel great about. Not just this year, but for the next three or four years as well. And that's, I mean, I think that's the most encouraging thing about this team right now is that as long as Horford is still where he's at, you know, they're going to have an answer for Embiid, and that's obviously huge for the East. Can I can I bring up something that I thought was really interesting? Um, Al Horford's minutes early on. So Brad takes him out of the game uh, like three or four minutes in, which he almost never does, and subs Aaron Baines in. Yep. Uh, and then brings Horford back later when it looked like when uh, Embiid was uh, coming out of the game. So he matched up Horford at the start, Horford against Boban, and the Celtics really feasted on that matchup. Uh, and, it, and that's kind of what factored into Brett Brown playing and beat all those minutes in the second half. Um, I don't know. I, th- I thought that the Celtics strategically had a lot of advantages in that game. Uh, and, you know, they, the Sixers were coming on the second night of a back-to-back. But uh, I, I wouldn't be concerned too much. Can we, I think Aaron Baines' ankle sprain needs to be mentioned, obviously. Yeah, that's a big concern. B-Rob, what's the latest on that? I, could, I, thought, I saw some conflicting reports, potentially. Yeah, so it's a great... Brad Stevens had a grade two strain last night, which is generally you need a two to four weeks to recovery. But then Danny Ainge on Toucher and Rich this morning said, what kind of downplayed it, said he was going to be, you know, it's more of a day-to-day thing. He'll be fine for the playoffs. So <laughs> that's obviously encouraging. Danny wasn't at the arena last night, so I'm not sure I'll also who to say, believe in that situation. I'll also say Danny Ainge is still saying that KG is day-to-day for the playoffs. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> with, with, with his knee injury. KG's knees, he might come back uh, 10 years later now. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, I was, again, I'm very excited to see, I mean, just on a tangent for Baines, like, Mike, you've been on this train all year, Baines, Horford, that defensive front line is, the numbers continue to be great when those two guys are on the floor together. We were seeing some of that last night. And then, of course, in the second half, the C's defense fell apart without Baines and more Marcus Morris. So, um, whatever, just get get Baines, get Horford, get all these guys rested and healthy for the playoffs at this point. That's my <laughs> two cents, like. I thought it was interesting. I know he's your boy, Mike, but um, the way the hierarchy of the Sixers worked, and, and Embiid mentioned this in, in his way too long post game uh, interview, but that they seem 
they seem all right with just sort of deferring to Jimmy in crunch time. And, and we'll see what happens when it's the, if it's game seven of the playoffs and Embiid has to give the ball up. But, like, they're saying all the right things on that level right now. And I thought it was interesting how Jimmy took over in the fourth. Jimmy was really good in the fourth. Uh, Tobias had a really positive stretch in the second half. Um, and I thought Simmons actually played pretty well. I mean, he had the go-ahead righty finish and won uh, at the end of the game. Uh, he actually played okay. Uh, that said, you know, I'm still... I, I just would not be very concerned uh, given the injuries that the Celtics... Injuries and Marcus Smart being a complete idiot. Um, <laughs> that really that really came back to bite them. Um, and Morris is not going to be on the like uh, on the floor. And he was... Like, if you, you mentioned all those guys, Mike. Yeah. He was defending a lot of those guys when they scored. Um, Simmons, Tobias, like, just... Just mistakes that can't be made against a good opponent. Yeah, and Kyrie was, I mean, he's just unguardable against that. They put everybody on him. It did not matter. He was dicing up and beat on the high pick and roll. He just had that Getting, skip. Uh, the way he was like dribbling, the ball, everything, he looked like he had it. Yeah. He got to the free throw line. He did everything. It was That was a really good sight to see. Um, but, you know, if the Celtics do not face the Sixers... In the second round, it is likely they will face the Milwaukee Bucks. That's what it's looking like. And I feel like we should mention... (laughs) I'm Team Milwaukee. I mean, you said it, B-Rob. You said that that Philly's the one that everyone, you know, sort of felt good about. I'm not scared of the Milwaukee Bucks this year. Well, Malcolm Brogdon's injury, uh, that kind of puts me on... uh, I'm kind of with you there, Rich, if Malcolm Brogdon can't go it. Um, B Rob, do you want to just uh, outline what that injury means? Uh, so he's out six to eight weeks, which yeah, he's, which puts him, I think, returning right potentially end of the first round, beginning of the second round. That timetable, I think, from when it initially came down. But I guess the the, the other worrisome thing here, guys, because I'm I'm Team Bucks. If you obviously do think the Bucks don't have much backcourt depth, so and Brogdon always kills the Celtics, so that's. He's not at full strength here. That's huge. But the Raptors are only two games back now. The Bucks, who seem to be resting a lot of guys lately, and Miritich just got hurt too. Um, so this could come down to the wire here in terms of who's going to get the one seed, which is a little scary for the Celtics. I feel like. Well, mm. and, and, and why is it just because what you're trying to avoid Toronto? You're saying. Yeah, I think you're just trying to avoid. You you hope the Sixers stay out Toronto. Like I think that's. I mean, it's it's not a big deal. Like you don't. I don't think. The Sixers will do it, but you know you, you hope that you hope you you have someone do you a favor there. Yeah, you gotta, gotta get a, you need to get a little lucky. That's for sure. I mean, I want hey. in plantar fasciitis. Just getting back to Brogdon for a second. That's a that's a nasty injury, right? That's one of those things that can ling that lingers for a while. At least I know they say that in football. But yeah, I think right. it's fair to assume that he's not going to be a part of their run. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be at full strength if you're just coming back in the middle. Of postseason anyway just in terms of a you know a shape perspective but I mean I guess I don't know for the hidden lining here I think of the Celtics losing last night guys is like you don't even have to chase the three seed anymore that's like gone you're four back with 10 games to play and now the coaching staff literally has three weeks to prepare for the Pacers like I can't remember the last time the Celtics knew who they were going to face in the first round this early and I can only imagine that's just going to be a big help 
um, for Brad Stevens just to figure out a plan of attack here and like hitting all the weak points that's on this Pacers team. Yeah, and, and that it's the Pacers of all the teams. Right. <laughs> I know we don't want to talk too yeah. much shit. I mean, they've been playing their asses off even since the Old Depot was out. But, I mean, that's as far as first-round matchups go, that's not bad. And then, I mean, hitting around the rest of the league right now, two minor items to note that I wanted to hit on. Number one, have you guys been watching this Memphis pick in the lottery situation? It's making me nervous. It's getting real close. So break They're, it down, break it down, B Rob. Like what's so what's what's at stake right now? So what? So we... it's a top eight protection, which means if the pick is nine or higher, the Celtics get it. Um, the Memphis, I believe, is tied for the seventh worst record right now, and there are about five or six teams just hovering right around that eight or nine slot, right at the cutoff. And it's all teams that obviously are going to want you to take the Lakers, the Pelicans, um, the Wizards when they figure out that they're not going to make the playoffs. All these teams should want to lose. And the Celtics do not want this pick now, but Memphis obviously wants to give it to them so they don't have to worry about, you know, owing it to them in future years when they can tank without, you know, regard to losing the pick. So this, Mike, I feel like this is going to have a big, could swing potentially the Anthony Davis negotiations to a degree, whether or not they have that pick to dangle in future years here. This is kind of devastating. I feel like uh, if, this, if this does convey this year, I mean it's it's such a it's it's such a good asset going forward. Uh, you know the the protections lessen; they become top six and then unprotected. The Grizzlies are going to be bad for the foreseeable future. Um, I don't know. Like I just don't think that obviously the Celtics do not want to have late. I mean it's not a late first round, but you'll have the Clippers pick, the Kings pick your own pick, and then uh, the Grizzlies pick all in this draft. I, I, I don't think that that's very – that's not sexy. It just <laughs> not sexy should be a good tagline for, for the new podcast. Have you guys seen Memphis's <laughs> schedule as well? Yeah, it's – it's uh, hey, this is, yeah. It's not good at all. Not so good. I'll, I'll go through real quick. At Orlando, is still playing hard. Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Golden State. Then you got a four-game road trip, Phoenix Clippers, Trailblazers, Mavericks. Mavericks, Pistons, and you finish it off uh, with the Warriors one more time. For good, I mean, the good news is that maybe like Alfonso Kinney or whatever the guy's name is going to be starting for the Warriors in that last game of the year. But um, right. yeah, like the Grizzlies, like they beat the Rockets at home last night. That's 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 devastating for a Celtics perspective in terms of like they're still beating teams at home and that hurts. Which means they'll definitely beat some tanking teams down the stretch. Yeah, long live Joakim Noah. Right. Avery Bradley is still putting it together. <laughs> yeah, um, know his last day in the league will be a pain in the Celtics' ass. Um, was Avery Bradley's ever the Celtics' third best player? He's probably the second best player for a little bit. Wow, I gotta say that's a that's a tremendous segue. Do you that's like that segue? A that plus was, segue. Was, I, I said just... B Rob specialty. Oh my goodness! Like, that's, <laughs> that was incredible. I'm gonna just I'm gonna retire now. I'm not I'm not gonna try to do anything more than that. Just Costanza, George Costanza. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So tell us, B Rob, who's 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 the third best player on the Celtics this year? Since you since you segued so beautifully, well, set it up a little bit better because, like, why are we even talking about this? <laughs> like, that was your idea. I'll, 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 no, we'll hand you, we'll hand okay. you the torch. Yeah. No. Okay. I will. Um, I mean, the Celtics. Everyone talks about their depth. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, obviously the two best players on the team are Kyrie Irving and Al Horford. That is not debatable. <laughs> um, and uh, ESPN's Tim Bontemps sent a tweet out uh, last week that was about how Jalen Brown was arguably the third best player on the Celtics this season. And that really got me thinking about who the hell is the third best player on the Celtics. I feel like there are three or maybe even four, three, maybe four legitimate candidates um, that we'll probably go through. Like, I don't know who you guys picked for this and like what your argument is, but but it is a really interesting conversation because everyone assumed obviously that it would be Gordon Hayward uh, and that is not even close to the answer. So (laughs) what? (laughs) <laughs> I say it, it, it's, so, it's so funny you said, Mike, because like literally, I mean, I thought about this for a little bit. Gordon, I didn't even, I didn't even think about the fact that Gordon should have been there. Like that's how far that seems. Uh, he's so, not top five. It's not even like close. Can we can we clarify? Is it right now, or is it for the whole season? Whole like, season. The whole. Okay, that's yeah. an important clarification. Yeah. Let me go um, la- let, let me go last because I'll I'll try, kind of transition <laughs> a little bit. Okay, uh, B Rob, you go first. Hit it up. Well, oh. So, my honest answer here is the Celtics don't have a third best player, wow. uh, and that's that's, 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 a problem. that's impossible. But it but it's not. But that's a cop out answer. So I'm not going to say that. I'm just saying that's kind of what I wanted to say, um, heading into this discussion. But I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Jason Tatum. Just and I'm basing this since I think you know there's a lot of candidates. I feel like you guys are going to be hitting on um, a couple of the other ones, including. Uh, Mr. Smart, who I think finished second for me. But if you just look at the metrics from a, where the team is, you know, who's success, who's on the floor when this team is successful? And Tatum, all year long, has topped that list. He's been up and down in terms of, like, his consistency. His defense has been up and down as well. But, I mean, as far as difference maker goes, someone this team can count on, um, from a scoring standpoint and just from a success standpoint, um, from front to back. Um, that, that's I hate you, B-Rob, because Jason Ooh. Tatum, I thought it was going to be a semi-hot take, and it's just not because you just picked him. I had I had Jason, I had Jason oh, Tatum as a third-best player as well. I, I assumed you were picking Smart. I know. So that's why I went away from it. We've read each other two <laughs> different... Oh, man. So I, I was just doing looking at the numbers for this. I'll read some things off real quick. Uh, so Tatum is second on the team in points, rebounds, plus minus, free throws, usage. He has a higher net rating than Horford and Kyrie, and he's played more minutes than mm-hmm. anyone else on the team. He's been more efficient on the road than at home, which is miraculous because he's 14 years old. He's shooting 45.5% on <laughs> wide open threes this season. Everyone talks about how his three-point percentage has been down. Like, you can't leave that guy open. He's still pretty automatic when he, when he has some room to get it off in a catch-and-shoot situation. Um, and even last night, you saw his defense. I mean, like, I, I, he does allow the occasional blow-by from guards when he's switched onto them. But against guys who are big, like, he's, I think his strength is underrated. Uh, he uses his long arms to poke the ball away from behind when guys do get behind him. Uh, you know, he muscle. There was one play where Simmons had an N one after he wrapped him up, which doesn't really support my argument. But there was a play at the very beginning to open the third quarter last night where uh, the Sixers had a 24-second violation because Tatum denied Simmons the ball in the post. And Tobias Harris and J.J. Redick didn't know what to do with the ball. 
Um, Tatum's just really, I think he's just a really good player, and a lot of people are kind of targeting in on the fact that he's shooting more mid-range shots than threes. That's bad, and he hasn't really been a efficient isolation player either, and his three-point percentage is in the dumpster since the All-Star break. But he's the third-best player on the team. It's really difficult to argue against it. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll, let me add a few more stats because I, I was going to say Tatum, like, but in a different okay. way. But first of all, uh, thir- third in the team in blocks, third in the team in steals. This is also a product of him just being available and only missing one game all year, but he has more total rebounds. than He leads the team in total rebounds this year, which is pretty impressive. Hmm. Um, but, I mean, the ass- assists can get a little better, obviously. He's still at, at, one, at 143. But my, my gr- bigger point is that Tatum... I agree. I think he is the third best player on the Celtics right now. I also think that he is not good enough right now to be the third best player on the Celtics. Maybe that's what you're talking about, B-Rob. I, and I, and I, I think he is that kind of guy that will raise his game in the playoffs. And we, we saw it a little bit last year. Not that he was consistent, but I think he's a guy that's shown he can rise to the moment. And I still kind of feel that he will. But he's been the third best player, but he's... I don't want to say disappointment. Like, how can you say that? But he's he's underwhelmed for stretches, and right now is one of them a little bit for me. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, you don't see... I mean, it's hard to jump up much in the second season when your first season is as good as his was. But, yeah, like, you... He hasn't consistently, you know, taken the, you know, the reins here and established himself as a clear-cut number three, which... Again, is a byproduct, I think, of a lot of things that have gone on with this team right now, um, from personnel to lineup combinations to injuries. Um, but yeah, like again, it's going to come down to the postseason. If he plays like he did last year on that front, then you know this team will be in much better shape than it has been for most of the regular season. Is there anything real with that shoulder, or is that just a night off? The other. Like, could, that be uh, him? could that be affecting him at all? It doesn't sound like it. I mean, he he downplayed I mean, it, looks a like, lot. it looks like it maybe a little bit. Yeah, I mean, maybe it affected his shooting for a lot. I mean, it's it's fair to ask about that. Um, he you know he missed a, I think he made a three last night. He also missed a corner three pretty late. A good look. Um, so yeah, I mean that's something to watch obviously ahead of the postseason. Um, but I, I'm not like to Mike's point about him hitting wide open shots. That percentage, like, I'm not too concerned about that. Um, his part of his game. Who's who's the fourth? Who is who gets honorable mention? Yeah, that's guys? a good question. Who who's who maybe, came closest? Mar- one of the Marcuses. I mean, it's hard to give Mook the call. Dude, get the, out of here with Marcus Mook, Morris. He is, Mook he is he is like no stop. Okay, but how 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 quickly you guys forget that he carried this entire team for the first two or three months of the season? I, I, I again, like I'm not saying he deserves a shout out. I re- no, I how remember. About, you, I remember the guy was ninety fifty forty. Yeah, they should have traded him. <laughs> right. I mean, they really should have. For what though? Hey. What are you going to get from Marcus Morris? The, the, the best thing to do is hope that it was the hope that he could somehow be James Posey, and we don't know. Maybe he's just getting this out of his system. Maybe the the the, the old Mook will come back for the playoffs. But to win What's right the now, the old Mook, the old new Mook, the Mook that we saw, <laughs> yeah. the, that we saw for the first couple months the two, of the season. The, the yeah, how about this? Mook. How let's call it contract your Mook. Okay. Yeah. Well, they they need to rest him then. They, I don't want to see him for the next three weeks then. Three Contract year Mook is costing himself a lot of money recently. Yeah. He has dragged. He has the worst net rating on the team for the last two months. Um, his defense. He's never going to get that much. Mm. 
I mean, he was never going to get that much, but he if he if it was a forty game season, he'd be looking <laughs> at like. No, like if the like if the season ended in January, like yeah. and he hit the market right then, he'd be looking at like four years, like sixty, seventy million dollars. No way! You think oh yeah, Evan Turner, the tra- Trailblazers, yeah, they already got hundred percent. Trail the Kings would be all over that. They'd throw him. The red I uh, I disagree with all that, but I think the NBA NBA is a little <laughs> smarter than than that. Um, yeah, are no, they they think, I think they are. Jabari Jabari Parker got forty million dollars last year. <laughs> like that's Moog well, yeah, as J- a 50-40-90 guy. Jabari, that was a gamble. That, that was a, a a gamble that was stupid, but it was a it was you could see where the team was coming from making that type of gamble. Marcus Morris is Marcus Morris. Like we know what he is uh, at this point. I mean, he wasn't lot, drafted second overall. Dumb game with Yeah. Season. Okay. So, so yeah, I, I, real quick, Jalen Brown deserves some sort of accolade here and and uh, a, a little bit of a spotlight. He's he's been really good. Uh, you know, last night was not great for him. Um, he was pretty good. You know, he had his moments and transition and whatnot. Um, but and cutting off the ball, he had some some nice moments, but you know, there, there was just one play that really sticks out where he's supposed to be defending JJ Redick and just decides not to pick him up in transition. And JJ Redick hits an open three after the Celtics make a layup. And it's like, you just look, you, you rewind the play, you look at Jalen and Jalen's like whole body language. He just like, he deflates. He just knows repeatedly. B Rob, you wrote about this in that piece about the timeout against the Nuggets. And like the the when he got beat on that back cut on the baseline and bounce play, like right. it's just yeah, you, you, these plays are happening way too much for a guy in his third year who's supposedly very cerebral. Like I, I, I it's real. It's and a, and a free and a free. Yeah, athlete. it's really frustrating when that happens. And you know that wasn't you know when Mook went off on him. That, I think that was Miami, right? Yep. You know that that wasn't like the first time. Oh, that's no. pent you know, up. Like that's, no, that's, that's like a pent up thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he Jalen's been a punching bag for this team. I feel like for a couple of years now. Um, smart. I mean, not in a bad way. Like, but Smart's been hard on him for a very long time, and you can see like he's blown up at Jalen after mistakes, like you know, three, four times on the court this year. So you can't imagine how much more that's been in the locker room amid the losing. So like, I feel for Jalen to agree, agree because like. Especially lately, like, Morris has been far worse than him. And then you have Smart who, like, gets himself tossed out of game. So, like, not necessarily the right guys to be yelling at you. Um, but still, like, Jalen, you know, like you said, Mike, you can't... When there's one second left in the quarter and the only way a guy can hurt you is on a back cut and you're spacing out, like, away from the play. Like, what and is he happen, thinking like, about? <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. Like, what are you looking at? You, he literally was looking at nothing. Like, yeah. the play was on the other side of the floor. No, that's exactly what I thought about Mike when you first described the play from last night. When you said that, how'd you say that Jalen just decide not to, not to cover JJ? Yeah. Is that? that I mean, when you said that, I'm like, I'm like, what, like, what would prevent him from doing that? That like your only job on national TV, you know, every, you know, it's, who knows? Like I said, we, we forget sometimes how young these kids are, and we've said that, it, <laughs> we forget, and we also say it a million times a day. But you know, he, it is a young kid. He's in, he's in the, the middle of a, a storm right now. This whole season, just you know, and, and I think Kyrie's right the ship a little bit. But the the toxic nature of the last few months, I think it's uh, especially on these younger guys. I'm sure it's been tough. It is. But again, but they were, when they're better the court, at it last year, Rich. They're better at it right last year. That's the the concerning part. Like this is worse defense than last year from Jalen. 
I know, but we're saying, but we're, but we're saying that it's obviously got to be something mental because it's not something physical. Not even. Oh no, I, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. But also, I think that I think everything will tighten up in the playoffs. I really do. Yeah, I do too. Um, because these guys are pride. They're they're all prideful dudes, and yeah. So we'll forget about. Can I? I think I, I have a decent segue that I I just ruined by spotlighting my segue. But the next thing, we... yeah. Wait a <laughs> Save me. We'll talk I'm, I'm drowning right now. Um, the, so the next thing we wanted to do is this kind of news segment for winning plays is where we just take a random number and just pick over under basic stuff. Um, and so this week, you know, we were just mentioned the playoffs. So 538.com has Boston on their projection system right now at 8% chance of making the finals. Do we say over or under on that number? Heavy over for me. So, to, what's your percentage, Rich? I, I'm not going to. Can give, I? I mean, I'm not Nate Silver. I'm not. I'm not going to. Can I contextualize it real quick? So, uh, the Raptors are at forty-six percent. The Bucks are at thirty-eight percent. The Sixers are also at eight percent. So, like, I, Rich, I'm I'm with you, Rich. I I think it should definitely be over. Um, B Rob, where are you at with this? I think this is about right. Like, I guess I could go. I've like a very soft over for me. I would say like ten to fifteen percent. I think is is of more just, fair. Of just making uh, the finals, yes. right? Of just yeah, of just making the finals. Yeah, I'd okay. say I put it in that range. I mean, I might be pessimistic at this point, but I just see again the the path that this team is creating for itself. Like, there is very little margin of error. And it, of course, they're capable of like pulling it together. Um, they have a lot of the pieces in place that need to be in place. Kyrie's playing well, Horford's playing well, but uh, especially on the defensive end, I'm not seeing what I want to see right now to see this team potentially have to win three road series to get to the uh, to the finals. Again, to win three road series, all you gotta do is win three road games, one game and, a series, and not lose any. Home games. <laughs> but, yeah, I, guess, but, but, I know, but, but, but if you're assuming home court, I'm saying you have home court if you win if you win right. that one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I said, my t- Toronto scares me. So Lowry, this is this is his this ankle injury is not that serious. Now he he's been out for a couple of games and it looks like he's he's not playing tomorrow night against the Thunder. Um, but he's I, I, I guess Toronto is in pretty good shape health wise so far. So they're the only ones I, I, I really I'm really that worried about. Um, what percentage would you like peg it at based on those numbers for both of you guys? What's your confidence? Not your confidence level. What's your, you know, chance? I wouldn't be shocked if the Celtics are in the finals at all. That's not a percentage. So. I don't know. What, I don't know. The, <laughs> I don't know the number. That sounds. That sounds like thirty-five percent. I say let's text Nate and see what the number va- the value is on on that vibe. But yeah, I don't know. I I. I I, I'm I, I must okay, I won't go as far as say I'm confident they're going to make the finals, but like I don't know, it just seems like it seems like the right thing is going to happen. I really and like you said too, like when the playoffs come, the switch is going to go on, especially on the defensive end. We're not going to see failed closeouts. Well, we're know. just it's also a thing where the the minutes really change. You're going to see like Brad has already upped Kyrie's minutes. Uh, at the, like just he's he's changed his rotation a little bit. Like the last four five games that Kyrie has played in, he's almost played the entire first quarter. Like it's a clear, 
like you're ramping them up for the for the playoffs and uh you know having Kyrie on the floor more times than not like when the Celtics have them out there they're a really really good basketball team and they have been for the past couple years I mean that's what the numbers say and I'm gonna trust the numbers I, I know that people like to say that the, you know the Celtics are better without Kyrie but that's obviously ludicrous yeah they are that was, that was my hot yeah <laughs> that was my last segment um yeah, so I, I just think like you have Horford out there. You have, uh, you know, uh, I, th- I I I don't know. I just think that at the end of the day, this team is is more built for you know, cl- shuttering off the noise of the regular season, not riding that roller coaster, and just really focusing in on one opponent. And having Brad Stevens uh, is an advantage in just about every series. Uh, no disrespect to, to Bud, who's going to win Coach of the Year, or Nick Nurse, or or uh, or Coach McMillan, but um, or or Brett Brown. Um, but you know, having Brad Stevens is a really it's a net positive for the Celtics. Hey, Man, what do, do you, you guys think? It's a do you guys think it's been a tough season for Brad from just a team management standpoint? Obviously, yes. he's an advantage. Do you <laughs> yeah, have as much? Obviously. Do you have as much faith as him as this year in terms of pressing all the right buttons when the time comes? I do. Hmm. I do. But this has not been his best regular season. And I think that I think that the, the Gordon Hayward dynamic is the hardest thing for him, has been the hardest thing for him to deal with. Um, I think that it, the whole season, to a certain extent, has been him thinking that he or anticipating that he was going to be able to rely on Gordon and that obviously not even close. So I, I think that that really threw him for a whirlwind. And then we have to remember that, you know, this is an extremely young basketball team. It's very talented for sure. But, you know, divvying up the minutes, keeping everybody happy. Like, I, I don't know if that aspect of Brad is his strength. And that has been what the Celtics have needed most from him. So in the playoffs, that won't be an issue. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I I guess my concern is the like putting a, like a lot of faith in the likes of you know Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, guys that that are good, but like they go up and down, and you have to hope if they're not where they need to be at in the postseason, like which I think is a possibility based on how those seasons have gone, like. I don't know where this team turns to. Um, Wait, you're saying the two Marcuses? For, you're saying like, who, like which two guys? Were, you're saying like wouldn't like Gordon and, and Marcus Morris? No, uh, Terry. Oh, Terry. Okay, Terry. Um, yeah, like Brad. You know, I feel like he's been a little bit slow to react to like all these big runs come up, and he's been slow to react in terms of pulling guys. He's kept faith in guys despite like some pretty horrendous stretches of play again you know obviously with the long goal of like all right these are proven track record guys they're going to pull together when it matters Uh, i want to keep their confidence up i guess my worry is like i'm not as confident that those guys are going to like pull things together uh when the stakes are go up yeah and if and if and if they don't the celtics will lose i think it's that easy you know it's like you know they didn't trade marcus they think these are the this is what he has to work with and Again, and that's the thing. Ultimately, it does come down to the players. I mean, Brad can only put them in the best position to execute. And and if the guys aren't ready, 
Sure. You know, people can write their Brad Stevens is coaching for his job columns and, yeah. <laughs> and whatever, but Good like, Lord. you know, it's only so much you can do. But real quick, I just want to say yeah. that all the players that you're talking about, like, who are they, you know, like, who is the composite comparison on other teams? Like, you just need, you don't need so much out of the players that you mentioned to beat the Raptors or the Bucks. Like, this is Giannis versus Kyrie versus Horford versus Kawhi. Like, star power is really what matters. And I, I think that the Celtics at the top are really difficult to defend and uh, are really cohesive on the defensive end. So, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm just pretty optimistic about about their chances. You you would, you think they're cohesive on the defensive end? In like the last um, minutes? Oh, this was oh transition time. Uh, <laughs> Bad of the week. We um, we need a B-Rub so trans- transition jingle or something that we can right play. exactly. We need a little really buzzer. Um, <laughs> the Tommy Hansen sounds. Should I bring exactly. them back? Yes, we need to get that in good quality audio and then. Okay, so uh, um, this is. This- so this week, uh, in the first episode of Winning Plays, we, we're starting a thing called Stat of the Week, uh, and uh, one of the stats that really caught my eye, and after doing some digging, I found on the website Cleaning the Glass, and basically it's two stats kind of that go hand in hand, uh, and they relate to Boston's defense. Uh, so the Celtics rank first in defensive transition frequency, which measures the percent of possessions that start with a transition play. I know that sounds really, really nerdy, um, but it's basically, <laughs> it's basically, uh, you know, when they either turn it over or shoot the ball and miss, uh, are they able to force the opponent into a half court situation or do they give up a shot in transition, which is obviously, you know, you don't want to give up shots in transition. That's where teams are trying to attack. So the Celtics rank first when uh, they miss a shot, but they're 29th after they turn it over. And so I found this to be absolutely fascinating. And I have no, I have a couple ideas of why it might be. But B Rob, what, what did when you read that stat when I showed it to you? What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, that's it's a fascinating stat, Mike. And my the first thing that comes to my mind is the Celtics have a guy, a lot of guy. I mean, they're they take a lot of jump shots, obviously. They also have a lot of guys that like to look at those jump shots that kind of hold that pose, admire it, and, you know, not necessarily bust their ass on defense. And I'm looking at Tatum. I'm looking at Morris. I'm looking at, I guess, Jalen Brown to a lesser degree, um, Kyrie as well. They also have guys that strategically and sometimes not so strategically crash the offensive glass and don't come up with anything which puts the defense in tough spots. Um, looking at Terry Rozier. Um, so yeah, those are the two <laughs> things that it is. Cause I've watched a lot of this to figure out the transition defense. And that that's a great stat that makes complete sense. Um, but in terms you... of why it's why other teams are attacking him in those spots so much. So Mike, real quick again. So on a, on a missed shot, that's when they're, they're better or worse. They're worse. They... No, no, no. Missed shot. They're the best in the league. Yeah. Okay. But on, turnover, a, on a turnover, on a, on a turnover, they are atrocious, which is interesting. I think. Well, they don't turn the ball over a lot, first of all, which might play into this. But I don't know. I figured it was like 
it's really difficult to like figure out why what the reason is beyond they'll turn it over and then they won't hustle back you know yeah, that pretty it kind of has to be it right like it certainly it, falls in line with what we've been saying yeah or they turn it over in situations where the floor isn't balanced or right i don't even know but um it's really interesting no but, but b rob everything you said is also valid and like the, there's a constant clash between brad stevens even brought this up there's a constant clash between the numbers and uh, the eye test with this team that is just so perplexing. And it's like, you're right. You you mentioned Terry Rozier as being a guy who crashes the offensive boards uh, kind of ridiculously and leaves his teammates out to dry sometimes. Kyrie Irving, who has a career-high offensive rebound rate this year, he loves to crash the offensive glass this season. And the team gets beat a lot in the in going the other way because of it uh so for them to rank first that that surprised me right for sure um, um i i guess it's to the the turnover point too i guess it's like maybe guys getting into trouble in traffic and making a bad pass like there's a lot of those turnovers i feel like and that again would lead to a lot of easy buckets sure but to this point i guess for you guys i know like since february 1st guys celtics ranked 20th in defensive rating. That's the worst out of any playoff team yeah. for like a, the last month and a half. What was it, February 1st? February 1st, yep. Yikes. So like, does that, I mean, it's like, oh, they can flip the switch. Like, I don't know. Like, this is a pretty long, the switch has been off for a while right now. So like, I'm kind of concerned about that, I guess. But also since February 1st, I think the Pistons have like the best offense <laughs> in the league. So Right, I mean, <laughs> so, exactly. Like, <laughs> so, but numbers it's like, are really funny right now. Numbers know. are funny. The regular season's too long. That's my take. There you go. I mean, hopefully that's right. Because you said that too. Mar- Marcus Morris wishes it was a it right. was a fifty game season. As well. <laughs> he wants to give Morris a fifty game season. <laughs> he would have got his max. Uh, uh, oh, spe- by the way, I just I just ruined it too by mentioning it. But I just kind of transitioned into my my stat of the week. Do we want to do that or yeah, do we want to roll? No, no, we'll yeah, go for it. Because the actual stat is not that interesting, but it it <laughs> it, it led to the the like most random. And I think fun. I mean, we were NBA nerds, but like fun trivia question that that I've come across in a while. So I figured we could we could do that. And maybe end on that note and go from there. Anyways, I was shocked to find when I was looking earlier that Marcus Morris, despite playing the most the fourth most minutes this year on the Celtics, he's like eighth in like total turnovers, mm-hmm. seventh in total turnovers. So as frustrating as he is, like he doesn't. He also, I mean, how long how often does he have the ball in his hands? But he doesn't turn the ball over that much. Okay. So here's the question. There are 15 guys in the NBA this year who have played more minutes than Marcus Morris and committed fewer fewer turnovers. Only 15. And it's a kind of interesting like intersection of player, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You want to, you have some guesses of who, who, who are some of the guys in the NBA that have played more minutes than Marcus Morris but have committed fewer tur- turnovers? Oof, I don't even know Clay, Tom, Clay Thompson. Not Clay Thompson. Uh, well, I'll, I'll uh, say there, 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 are no, there, are, there are no all-stars. No all stars. Yeah, someone who doesn't do much in terms of like handling the ball, obviously. Um, but, but plays a lot of but plays a lot of minutes. This is great like, podcasting, by the way. Yeah, it is. I I is literally he's... don't like Tobias Harris. Like I don't know if he's. I feel like he's a low turnover. So guy. so Marvin Williams has only committed forty three turnovers this year. Uh-huh. Um, so he's the kind of guy I think. Yeah, should I just go through? Listen, give you yeah, a couple just guys. Go, yeah, give us a couple of nights. P- PJ Tucker is one I thought you might get. Pina. Uh Devastated. So Mark, so Marcus Morris has eighty-five turnovers to by comparison. 
Jeremy Grant has only 56. Uh, Farika Aminu, Danny Green, Jeremy Lamb, Jay Crowder. Mm. Clint Capella, so, Willie Cauley-Stein. So it's, it's all three – it's three-point shooter. It's like stretch fours and big guys. Yeah, Wes Matthews, Eric Gordon, mm. Danny Green. Yep. Anyway. So that's – yeah, shooters. That's, I was, that I was hoping that would take us in a, in a more fun direction. <laughs> <laughs> no. That was that was a nice little. Did you already list all of them? I hope that someone out there appreciated that. Right. Did you um, list all of them? Uh, no, I didn't say Mikael Bridges. I don't think. Ooh. Did I say Bryn Forbes? Um, no. Did I say Clint Capella? Monte, did you say Monte Morris? Is he on there? No, I, I wonder if he's if he's played the minutes. That back course is so yeah damn crowded. Yeah. Oh, that that could be a segue into Isaiah, but. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, what do we think? The I think first winning I th- plays is that is, is is that a winning play conversation? I think we'll. I think we're gonna table that conversation okay. until the next one. Until but Isaiah signs here, and the, and until the Isaiah exactly. We want to cover that ground when he comes. You know, when when Danny offers him a mid contract this <laughs> season. So what do we do? We thank everybody for listening. Do, like, can people sign? Like, what? Give us like. Can, can they subscribe on on the new thing? Do they have to resubscribe if they already subscribe to the Big Three podcast? No, so every, everybody who was already subscribed will get this episode in their feed. Uh, we're looking, obviously, for more subscribers. And, uh, you know, follow any of us on Twitter. We're going to be tweeting out the episode, tweeting out links to subscribe on iTunes and, uh, you know, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, we'll have those uh, those links for you on Twitter if you follow us and uh, and yeah also uh, you know CLNS has been a, a, is a wonderful new partner for us and they will help uh, get this episode and this show to as many uh, ears as possible so I, I feel like you it shouldn't be too difficult to, to find us and but subscribing and rating and reviewing is all still wonderful and tell your friends. Yeah. Yep. You can and we'll be having more volume as well. More volume. More volume. More podcasts as the playoffs ramp up here. So, so you we'll definitely... mean it would be louder. Yeah. What kind of volume be rap? Yeah. You know, at, that's a good. <laughs> that's a good clarification. Louder. Louder li- podcast is clear is important. There's also um, like a liquid volume as well. Exactly. Be... Right. We'll fill it up on the podcast. <laughs> and um, no, but there'll be more frequent podcasts as well. Hopefully, at least a couple of weeks as the playoffs get rolling, and even, you know, leading into the obviously a huge offseason for this team as well. So, yep, very excited to get going uh, on the network. And and we're going to do two. it once, like, is it this? Th- not, we're not going to say it's the same day every week because once the playoffs start, like, that's going to get crazy, and we'll hopefully get some of those, like, quicker, you know, maybe a couple times a week sort of thing. Sure, absolutely. Just, just the reactions. Um, and then we should look into the winning plays at gmail.com. Maybe that's a. I wonder if that exists. But for now, Rich Levine at Gmail, if anyone wants to email me with conversations. And- yep, only only email Rich. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that that's fine. Yeah, I, I, I will uh, got to make sure everyone's on the level before we pass them on to you guys. No. And okay, well, thank you for listening. It. Thanks a lot, guys. Please reach out. Let us know what you think, thought of the new segments and everything. And we will be back with you all next week.